Galatians chapter 5. Let's read verses 16 and 17. Remember, this is written to believers. These epistles are written, most of them by the Apostle Paul. This one was to believers. They're born again. And he says this, under the unction of the Holy Spirit, this I say then, walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusteth against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh, and these are contrary the one to the other, so that you cannot do the things that you would. there's, There's a battle going on. There's a battle going on within believers, saved people, and that is, a, that is a battle between, there's all kinds of battles that in Christ that we face. We face the enemy and spiritual warfare. But within the individual, we face a battle between the flesh and the spirit. It's ongoing. Okay? It's ongoing. God has the answer, the solution, the power, the provision, the grace for the believer to, to obey, to walk in the spirit. He has the, the provision given to us to, to come out in victory, the victory that He has provided for us. But the battle is going on nonetheless. And we are to be engaged in it. And there's a, a lady that given her life to the Lord and she made the comment not long after she was saved. She says, I never realized I had a temper until I got saved. Never had, realized I had a bad temper until I got born again. And you think it would be just the opposite, like like everything would just be fixed when you're saved. But we realize we're a lot of things about our lives once we're saved. God convicts us of, I'm talking about after we're born again, things through life, where we realize, you know what, I'm not the nicest person in the world. I need, I need the, the fruit of kindness in my life. I'm not the most patient person. I never realized it really before I got saved, and then all of a sudden I see it more clearly. I see it rightly. I was always impatient. I was always unkind. I was always uh, unloving, whatever it might have been. But when we're saved, we have the nature of Christ in us and the conviction of the Holy Spirit and the spiritual eyes to see. That's a good thing because don't ever forget the Lord is working on, in us. Everyone He saved, He predestinated to be conformed to the image of His Son. Every single one. And so that, that doesn't happen right at salvation. We're new creatures in Christ. That happens at salvation. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. But we still have the nature of Adam. In other words, the nature of Adam, Adam we know it. We know it from the Bible, and we know it from personal experience, that, that the nature of Adam is still present. And so we need to, to allow the Lord to deal with us in those things. The way that He deals with us on those things is going to be by the conviction of the Holy Spirit. And He's working to bring death to that old man and that the new man would grow. That that inward man would be renewed day by day. And so, um, we realize a lot of things after we're saved. You know, the selfishness. Our selfishness. And this study, we've been talking a lot about the cross and self. The cross and death to sin, of course, and death to self. And the working of the cross in our lives. 
Uh, Jesus, when he was speaking to Nicodemus, you know how Nicodemus came to the Lord privately by night? He was afraid of the Jews. He was a Jew and he was afraid uh, to be seen with the Lord. But he came to him and began to question him. And Jesus said to him, that which is born of the flesh is flesh. And that sounds like a simple truth, but it's a, it's a, a fact that we need to lay hold on. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. And guess what? It's always going to be flesh. The flesh never becomes till we get a new body. Okay, this carnal. What we mean, but when we say the flesh, what the the Bible means is carnality, our carnal nature. It has to do with the nature. It, has, it doesn't just do with our ourselves. Okay, and our skin. It has to do with a carnal nature that every man, woman, and child is born with and born in, being born in Adam. Romans five is very very clear about that. Okay. Uh, that he is the, the first Adam. We're all descendants of Adam. Adam and Eve sinned. Our earthly parents rebelled against God, disobeyed the Lord, and they introduced sin into the world. And sin passed on to all men, the Bible says, and that all have sinned and death by sin. So it, it's a step of a process. What was given to us by Adam was sin and death. Sin, a sinful nature, and in the end, if not repented of and forgiven and washed in the blood of Jesus, that nature works death and that's it. There's no redeem, uh, there's, there's no changing it. The, the flesh will always be the flesh. And how many of you know that the flesh is unconvertible? The flesh is not converted. We'll receive new bodies one day. But the carnal nature is not improved and converted. We're given the new nature of Christ, the Holy Spirit in us, and we are to walk as a choice in that spirit by faith. The carnal nature is still present and the carnal nature is not being improved. It's not being Christianized and uh, modified and, and, and becoming spiritual. It's the, the, our carnal nature is not slowly or even quickly becoming spiritual. It, it needs to die. This is why we're talking so much on the cross. That which is born of the Spirit is Spirit, Jesus said in John 3.6. It's born of the Spirit. I'm born again. You're born again. We're born of the Spirit. The Bible talks about the old man, right? And the new man. That's the two men that are still present in your life. Those two men are still present in our lives. Okay? The old man would be the natural. He's referred to as the natural man, the first man. All that is what we are. And, and the Bible says the old man which is corrupt according to the deceitful nature. Because of its very nature of sin, the old man and the best of humanity, okay, the old man is corrupt according to the deceitful lust. It's corrupt according to its deceitful nature. But the Bible says that we're the, the, that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. And in Christ, we put on the new man. There's a new man. And so, as a believer, you know, I know that you probably in your studies or maybe reading books and hearing sermons and Sunday school lessons, 
in Romans chapter 7. That, that's been a chapter in the Bible that's highly debated. And there's wonderful Christian minds on both camps. It's nothing you'd have a falling out about. At least I wouldn't. But in Romans chapter 7, when Paul says that, O wretched man that I am. Now obviously, obviously by the time that Paul wrote the epistle of Romans, he had been saved for a long, long, long time. And filled with the Holy Ghost and walking with God. But he says, O wretched man that I am. You know, the things I want to do, I don't do. And the things I don't want to do, I find myself doing. And there is this battle going on. And I, I personally believe he's speaking as a believer who at some point in his Christian walk, even though he was saved, it was like the lady saying, I didn't realize I had a temper until I got saved. I didn't realize how selfish I was. I mean, through and through, I'm selfish about this, this, until I got saved. Then I began to see it and I hate it. But I still give in to my selfishness sometimes. And I still uh, give in to that bad temper sometimes, that impatience. I think Paul is, personally I believe, he's talking about uh, when he came to some realization that maybe at salvation he didn't comprehend, know that. It just wasn't known to him yet that, that there's these two natures still going on. And he cries out for deliverance. But he, he says it in Romans, he says that that is in my flesh, in me, that is in my flesh dwells no good thing. But Paul, the Holy Spirit lives inside of you. That's a good thing. Christ is in you. That's a good thing. Yes, but in his flesh. What is he saying? That old nature, that carnal nature is what he's speaking of. In my flesh dwells no good thing. There's no good part that's, that's carried over, that's gonna, is being made Christian and spiritual and godly and holy. That old man is the old man. The new man is the new man. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the Spirit is spirit. And I guess if we saw one thing tonight, that would be one of the things that, that I want us to see. We're not a blend of different things. The new man is completely the new man. The old man, which we, which we were before we came to know Christ, all that is of Adam that we descended or, or inherited from Adam is the flesh. It's carnal. Okay? And in that flesh dwells no good thing. So I want you to turn with me in your Bibles to Romans chapter 8. And I want you to read with me Romans 8, 6 through 8. This, this is, highlights this even more. Romans 8, 6 through 8. For to be carnally minded is death. It's not, carnally minded is not partly good or something like that. You understand, he's being very clear. To be carnally minded, to have that mindset, to go through life functioning and living and obeying and walking in the carnal mind. What is the result of that? Death? Well, can it be redeemed? Can it be fixed? Can it be improved? No. That's what the cross is for. Okay? That's what the cross is for. That, that needs to die. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. So, carnal mind, death, spiritual mind, life. 
Because the carnal mind is enmity. That means it's constantly contrary to the Lord, constantly an enemy of God. And that's what it says, because the carnal mind is enmity against God. For it is not subject to the law of God. Neither indeed can be. So it cannot even be. If we wanted it to be. Even if somebody wanted to, to Christianize their flesh, that carnal nature, it cannot be. It is not subject to the law of God. Neither indeed can be. So what am I going to do with it? What am I going to do with my temper? That comes from the nature of Adam. It comes from that sinful nature which works death. Right? What am I going to do with my impatience? And this is why even as Christians, we know that we still lose our temper. We know that we're still unkind. We know that we let we say things we shouldn't say. We know that we're fearful and we fret and we shouldn't do that. Because that spiritual mind is life and peace. But I'm not having peace. I'm fretting and worrying. We know that we still do that. None of that comes from Christ. And none of it comes from from this new man, the new life that we have in Christ. It is all part of that old nature, uh, that nature of Adam from the old man. So then, they that are in the flesh cannot please God. Cannot. doesn't say they don't, or they rarely do, or it's possible maybe if we work hard enough. They that are in the flesh cannot please God. I just love this picture. It's really laying it out to me very clearly it's one or the other, although we have the nature of Adam still in us, and obviously we have the nature of Christ in us being born again. If, if Christ is not in us, we're not born again. Okay? So we have the nature of Christ in us. We have the Holy Spirit in us. We have a new man in us, but that new old man is present. And, and again, there's not a compromise. There, the, this flesh lusts against the Spirit. And the spirit against the flesh, we open with that. And these are contrary the one to the other. <coughs> contrary. And so, we need to... Th there's a war going on that, like I said, there's a war of uh, light and darkness and that kind of spiritual warfare. There's also... This is almost the worst of all wars. You know what the worst of all wars is? a civil war. It's a war within. Okay? And... This is what's taking place here. And some people, unfortunately, I think some Christians have settled in to almost just like, we'll just call it a draw. They wouldn't probably say that. You know, like a stalemate. You're playing, playing a chess and you get to a place where it's a draw or a stalemate. Nobody can win. There's no other moves to make or whatever. Uh, some, some boxing matches are called a draw. You know, nobody likes that. Uh, you want somebody to come out on top. When it comes to the, this battle that's going on within between the nature of Adam and the nature of Christ, the old man and the new man, that which is born of the flesh, which is flesh, is not subject to the law of God, nor can be and can't please God, and that which is born of the Spirit, which is spirit, which is the new man, which is created in righteousness and holiness, the Bible says. Isn't that amazing? That, that new man's already created holy. Even when you first get saved and a lot of things in your life that aren't holy, but that new man in you is created in righteousness and true holiness already. And that old man is nothing but death and carnal and not subject to God. We can't settle in 
I guess what I mean by having a stalemate, so, some people have the attitude that they're not even looking to really grow in Christ. They're not looking to improve. They just excuse it and say, well, you know, that's just that's that old man Adam still raising up his ugly head in me. And there's no desire to, to please God. There's no desire to become more holy than I am. And there should be. Everything in the New Testament is provoking us on to love and good works. What's the point of all this? If we're as holy right now as we'll ever be, I won't ever be any more Christ-like. I won't ever be any more godly. I won't have, ever have any more personal victory over personal sin in my life than I do right now. What's the point? I'll just hang on. I'll hang on to this level of Christianity because it just must be the, the level God wants me to have. And this le- level of my behavior and lifestyle and walk with God, I'll settle in right here. I'll settle with my temper. It's not as bad as it was 15 years ago. I'll, I'll settle with my level of impatience and unkindness. It's a little better than it was before I got saved. And I'll just settle for that. That's a stalemate. It's like a draw. But these two are contrary to one to another. Somebody's going to take the lead. Somebody's going to begin to rise up. And one will come under subjection. God wants it to be that old man comes under subjection. It comes unto, to death. Okay, now we, we know eventually, the Bible says in 1 John 3, when we see Him, we'll be like Him. Right? Faithful end in sight. We're not we're like Jesus, but we'll fully be like Jesus when we see the Lord at the rapture or when, when He calls us home and so forth. But you understand the point that, that it's not everything in the Bible is is provoking us on. The Holy Spirit is saying, I can help you with that temper if you'll let me. But you're not willing to, you're lazy. It's going to cost a little something. Maybe prayer and fasting or, or maybe God's going to let us go through a trial, trial where He's, he's filing off the rough edges on our life. We know that He does that. But we're not looking for any kind... Sometimes it's almost like a defeatist attitude and we kind of absolve ourselves from all responsibility and just say, well, that's just that old nature rising up. But I'm responsible for how much that old nature rises up. I'm responsible for that. Do you see that? It doesn't just come on me out of the blue and I'm, I'm out of control. You know, like I'm possessed or something to, to uh, say something unkind. It's an, it's an excuse. And God doesn't want us to have excuses. He wants us to walk in what He's called us to walk in. Amen? In, in true holiness. I'm responsible. I want to look at two passages real quickly. We've kind of been referring to this. Look at Romans chapter 13. 11 through 14. Romans 13, 11 through 14. And that knowing the time, that now it is high time to awake out of sleep. Again, who's he writing to? Christians. This isn't the gospel being preached to lost people. This is an exhortation, an instruction for believers to go on. To go on and be spiritual. To go on and, and wake up. To go on and walk with God. For now is our salvation nearer than when we believed. 
The night is far spent. The day is at hand. And I would say this, whatever particular day, you know, might be referred to, the day is at hand. Today is the day that God is provoking us on to live for Him. Today is the day where He says, I want to deal with that temper of yours. Today is the day He says, I want to deal with that uh, impatience of yours, that laziness of yours, uh, whatever it may be. Today is the day. Let us, then, let us therefore cast off the works of darkness. Who's supposed to cast them off? Who does He say? Let us, therefore, includes himself as believers. Let us cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk. Who walks? We walk. Honestly, as in the day, not in rioting and drunkenness and in chambering and wantonness, not in strife and envying, but put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, I'm already saved. I'm already in Christ. I already have the new man living in me. Yes, I do. This has to do with the walk. Walk honestly. This has to do with your, not how you get saved. This is how you live as a saved man. And let us put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. And so there's a lot of wonderful things in that passage, but, but the, what we see is the admonition for us to put off, us to put on, us to walk in, us to make no provision for the flesh. We do that. Well, where does the strength come from, God? Where does the strength to do that? The Holy Spirit. But who does it? We do it by the Spirit. We do it by the power of the Holy Spirit. So guess what? I'm responsible. I'm responsible for how, how godly I am in one sense. I'm responsible for how obedient I am. I'm responsible for putting off and putting on and walking and making no provision for the flesh. I use example all the time. If you're trying to eat healthy and lose weight, you don't go buy, you know, uh, two dozen fresh, hot off the flashing lights, you know, Krispy Kreme donuts. Put them in your, on your countertop and pass by them every five minutes. But I'm really trying to lose weight. If I'm really trying to lose weight and be healthy or watch my blood sugar and that kind of, I'm going to take those things, if they're there, and I'm going to give them to somebody who's not worried about their blood sugar, or I'm going to chunk them in the trash can. Throw them out in the yard. The birds will eat them, maybe. You know? Uh, but I need to get myself away from that. That, to me, is making a provision for my flesh. We could go on and on. We could preach a whole sermon on this. If I am God's dealing with me about stuff that I watch on TV that's not pleasing to God. Now we're getting a little more real, right? On my phone or on the TV that's not pleasing to God. What would God have me to do? I don't know. He'll show you. But I promise you, you want to... What I get from a passage like that and from that passage specifically, I need to try to make it uh, as difficult as possible for me to fall into that sin. And you can fill in the blank. I need to make it as difficult as possible. So if I have a tendency to watch something on TV that I shouldn't, then I need to... I mean, whatever, however drastic a steps. I'm not telling you what to do. The Holy Spirit will show you. I'm telling you that there's steps to take. 
I've shared this before. Years ago, there was a young man that came to me and said, I really struggle with looking at pornography on my computer. And we got to talking to it and praying about it. He was a Christian. I said, where do you find yourself doing this most frequently? On my laptop computer. So he ended up giving me his laptop computer. He said, well, he could go find another one. He could go to the library, right? Pull up. There was other ways he could, but this was making it harder. This was his laptop computer that he had with him 24-7. Now he didn't have it with him 24-7. It was a step, wasn't it? And, and I said, this is between you and me and Jesus, and I'll hang on to it as long that you come and tell me that God has given you the release, you know, and enough strength and victory in this area and a release to go have your laptop computer and not do this. But we all know that we could still find a way to sin. I could find a way to get a donut. If I threw, throw my donuts away, I could drive to the store and get some more. But that gives me a lot of time while I'm thinking, I committed my health and weight and so forth to the Lord and my blood sugar, and I'm driving to go buy donuts when He told me to get them out of the house. It gives me time to come to my senses, so to speak. It gives me time to, for God to give me strength. And, and just think, begin to praise the Lord. And guess what? I turned the car around. There, that, that's, that, you say, well, that's just, that's just trying to live Christian in the flesh. No, that's doing exactly what Romans 13 says to do. To make no provision for the flesh. He tells us to do it. To fulfill the lust. I'm just using that for an example. Y'all understand the point. I'm responsible. And I can't just check out and say, whatever happens, happens. God's in control. I can't do anything. We can do everything He tells us we can do in His Word. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. He wants me to be holy. He's going to make me holy. I need to yield to that working. I need to obey what He tells me in order to be holy. And He will help me to do that. Look at Ephesians chapter 4. We've kind of referred to this as well. I wanted to read it. Ephesians 4. Again, written to believers, verse 22. That you put off concerning the former conversation. I'm told to put it off. Conversation simply means conduct, behavior, lifestyle. That you put off the former. That's that, that life and conversation and lifestyle and nature that we had in Adam. The old man which is corrupt according to the deceitful lust. And be renewed in the spirit of your mind. And then you put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. Amen? In righteousness and true holiness. That's the new man. And so, by faith, y'all, this is one thing we continue to, to uh, impress in this study, is that this is, this is by faith. And I'm going to be uh, not too much longer tonight, but there, you've heard... You've heard probably in your life that when a, a Jewish person becomes a Christian or maybe a Hindu or a Muslim becomes a Christian, it's, it's a huge, huge thing in a, in a cultural sense, right? In a family sense, it's bigger than, than just if you or I were to become a Christian. I mean, they're saved as we are, but there's a cutting off by their family. 
right? And you, you've, you've heard stories of it. Well, there was this one man that was uh, a Jewish man, and a young man, and he gave, he gave his life to the Lord. And he had to attend his own burial, okay? His own burial. And he goes to, it's, it's not a, a literal funeral, but he was going to kiss his, father was going to kiss his son goodbye, because we're done with you. The Jewish father is kissing the Jewish son who's now born again goodbye. We're done with you. Okay? And the mother suddenly steps in between the two and, and says to the father, would you kiss a dead dog? He's dead to us. And, and it's a, a cutting off. And this is the picture of that old nature of Adam. Do we want to make peace with that nature? Do we want to make terms or some kind of compromise with this old nature? The, when we gave our life to Christ, we gave our life to Christ. Paul said, I'm crucified with Christ. His death, our death. For our sins. The just for the unjust. And think about it almost like in a marriage. Didn't, didn't Paul says, say to the Corinthians that I have espoused you to Christ, a chaste virgin? So I don't want you following after these other gospels and spirits and Jesuses, right? It would be unfaithful of us to, to go back and kiss a dead dog, so to speak, like the Jewish mom said, right? To go back and, and make terms with this nature of Adam. That is, we're to be dead to that. That is the old man. It's deceitful. It's contrary to God. It's an enmity. It's an enmity with God. And I'm going to try to make peace with an enemy of God. That's always going to be an enemy with God. But I think, because I'm wiser than the Lord, right? What we think sometimes, I'm going to make peace with this old man. I'm going to find a happy medium between spiritual and carnal. I keep my friends that way, my lost friends. I'll keep my job. You know, I'll keep... I'll find a happy place in society and do a lot of the worldly things I still want to do. And you understand what I'm saying? We, that's not what we're called to do. We, we're, to be, we're to be dead unto those things. And in Romans chapter 5, we talked about, you know, in Adam or in Christ, death or life. And we're told that where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. Right? In, in chapter 5. But chapter 6 goes on to say, how are we that are dead to, to sin to, to live any longer therein? God forbid, right? God forbid. Shall we to continue to sin that grace may abound? And I think a lot of times believers continue in sin. They're so excited about grace from Romans chapter 5 that they don't see that that we're to come out of that sin, that grace called me out of that. Where my sin abounded, grace surpassed it. The grace of God surpassed it. He lifted me out of my sin and the miry clay. Now, what about now? Well, now, shall we that are dead, you know, 
God forbid that we should live any longer. Shall I continue to sin that I might have more grace? I think a lot of Christians do. I don't want to. That's not what we're called to. Again, it's a misunderstanding. And we need to understand that, that God has called us on to something uh, deeper and we're to be dead to that. We're to be dead to that. And so basically in Romans chapter 8, which we read about the, the carnally minded as death and spiritually minded life and peace, Paul is describing by the Holy Spirit, there's almost like a fork in the road where, where one, one path would be the flesh and one would be the spirit. And each of us has that before us. In every waking moment, you know, you know, just don't, I, I don't think we have to think about it every second, but it is a choice to, to wake up in the morning and put on Christ. To wake up in the morning and, and dedicate this day to God and my life to God today. Lord, I give you this day. You know what I'm saying? You gave it to me. I give it to you. And make a choice. I'm simply saying that there's a choice. Because right now, in the next 30 seconds, you and I could do something in the flesh, couldn't we? We could. It's not impossible to do it. We could do it. But we don't have to do it. And so we don't want to settle in some kind of draw, some kind of stalemate. We need to fight by the power of the Holy Spirit as much as within us to fight against that. And sometimes the battle's raging more than others. Okay? Some, but, but still, God and what He has provided for us is more than enough. The believer has to choose. And so, it's, it's a liberty to walk in the Spirit, but it's still a liberty that we have to choose. Does that make sense? It's a freedom. It's a liberty to walk in the Spirit. If we walk in the Spirit, this I say, you won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. That's a freedom and a liberty that when I was lost, it was not even an option. Right? It wasn't even an option when I was lost. But now that I'm saved, it's not only an option, it's my calling. It's my rightful place. It's where I'm to walk. It, it, if, it's, you know, if ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things that are above. That we would walk unto all pleasing to God, it says in Colossians. And uh, this, you know, we, we were children of darkness. Now we're children of light. Walk as children of light. That's my calling. That's my empowerment by the Holy Ghost and my rightful place and the normal place for a Christian. But it's still a choice. You understand that? It's still a choice. I could say I'm going to be mad at the world today. The election didn't go how I wanted. I am going to be cranky. I'm going to be, I'm going to, be cranky at strangers when I see them. I'm going to cut them off on the road, you know. I'm just going to, I just feel like doing it today. You know, that's, we could do that. There's no life in that. There's no joy in that. It doesn't honor God. It brings great shame to the Lord. He died to bring me out of that. That would be like me going back and making peace and resurrecting more of this old nature of Adam. When that thing is an enemy with my Lord and Savior. That's what we have to keep in mind. For, for the Lord's sake. They're in a battle, y'all, to the death. It's not a stalemate. 
It's not a boxing match where it's over, they both go home and they call it a draw. Split the winnings and go home. It's not that. It's not a chess game where they, they're both masters of chess, they were at a stalemate or a draw. We'll call this game a draw and they go home. It's a fight to the death. They're enmity. They're contrary one to another. And we have the provision of the Lord to walk in it. The Lord told the Canaanites, and I'm closing with this, y'all. The Lord, I mean, so the Lord, the Lord told the, the Israelites, before you go into the land of Canaan, at length, I mean, you can see the repetition. I just, that's where I'm reading in my Bible right now. I've been reading through the Old Testament, and I'm going through Numbers and Deuteronomy and, and uh, all these books, and I'll be going right into Joshua. Over and over and over and over again in detail. He said, well, he said this back in Exodus. He said it again in, you know, in Leviticus. He's telling them, when you go into the promised land, kill the Canaanites. Is God being cruel? Is God being mean? He's saying, kill. And he tells them why. Don't make leagues with them. Don't make... Uh, agreements with them. Kill them. They're idolatrous people. Not maybe, but they will steal your hearts away from me. You'll start intermarrying with them and you'll start going to the worship the Canaan gods with them. And it's like adultery. It's going to take your heart away from me. Okay? So, if, and he goes on to say, and I'm closing with this, if, if you don't kill them, they'll kill you. It's basically, and I'm paraphrasing, they're going to kill you spiritually. Not only physically, we see it through the book of Judges, right? Read through the book of Judges, and every man did what was right in his own eyes. Instead of doing what God said. They were doing what was right in their own eyes. They're using their carnal wisdom. We got this figured out. We got our religion figured out. We got our how we get along with our neighbors figured out. And what happened? Over and over and over again, they're put to tribute. They're put under the mastery of the Philistines. They're put under the mastery of the Midianites or whoever. And God will raise up a deliverer like Gideon or Barak or, or Samson and give them a space of grace to repent and turn. And they would, they, would, they would live for God for as long as Gideon lived, basically. And then when Gideon died, they go back to their sin. If we don't put that to death, and don't deal with it God's way with His provisions and by His power, it's going to have the mastery over us. And it's, it's serious. And, and God wants us to know it's serious, but He gives us what we need. I'm closing with this Scripture. Do you can come. Romans chapter 8. Y'all turn with me and we'll close this one passage. Back to, uh, to Romans 8. Skip down to verse 13. Well, let's read 12 and 13. Therefore, brethren, we are not we are debtors not to the flesh. In other words, I don't owe that fleshly carnal nature of Adam anything as a believer. I don't owe it anything. I'm not a debtor to the flesh. I don't have to make a league with it. But let me help it out a little bit. You don't understand what I'm saying? Let me keep some of it going and alive and cater to some of it. We're not debtors to the flesh, to live after the flesh. For if you live after the flesh, what does it say? Ye shall die. But if you, hallelujah, through the Spirit, it's not our own strength, 
It's the, the eternal spirit, the spirit of the living God. If you, there again, it's just the, the responsibility is put on us. If you, through the spirit, do mortify, that just means kill, the deeds of the body, ye shall live. So when I have the deeds of the body rising up, manifesting themselves, and it starts from the heart, and it starts, I'm not a debtor to that. I don't have to give a little place to my flesh, 99% to Christ. We're not debtors to that. And so we are told by the power of the Holy Spirit to kill it, to put it to death. We don't even understand fully what that means. God will show us, help us, Lord. But I know what you're teaching. I understand the teaching here that there's not a compromise with it. It's not a stalemate. There's not a happy medium. There's not a 50-50 or even a 90-10% split. It's, I'm living for God. Right? I'm living for the Lord. I don't even feel like it all the time. But by faith, I'm going to. This is where the Lord allows the cross. And we need to allow the Lord by the cross to, to, daily, to die daily to these things. I said sometimes the battle rages more than others. Sometimes there's things that have really been strongholds in your life, maybe for 20 years. And God's dealing with you about it. He's about to break, set you free from it fully. There's the little things daily, but there's choices to be made to walk in the Spirit and not after the flesh. God will help us. We're going to come out on top. That Spirit man is going to come out on top. But we need to understand the, the battle that we're in. And it's not, it's, it's not both. It's one or the other. And I just want us to, uh, the Lord would have us to see that tonight. And be encouraged because God's helping us, y'all. Father, we come before you in Jesus' name.